Welcome back to Whiskey Wednesday. Whiskey. <laughs> Recently, I've been seeing this video pop up called a lot called Satan's Guide to the Bible. Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I decided to, I watched it, and I decided to break it up um, as best as I could and give my response to these points, because the stuff in this video is like, what? It's kind of crazy. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty messed up. Production's beautiful, I will say. Whoever animated that, it's it looks great. Good on you. But also, your points are whack, <laughs> whack a mole. <laughs> so the first point they make is that the Israelites never lived in Egypt, and if that's not true, that would be a pretty ugly hole into the Bible. Blast a pretty big hole. So here we go. As always, we got a lot to talk about, and I don't know if we have enough time to talk about it, but we're going to do our best. Real quick, I thought it was funny. Last episode, I thought I was talking a lot faster than I actually was. <laughs> so I won't make that fool of myself like I did not before and not tell you that I think I'm talking fast. <laughs> so let's jump into it. So their argument. What does Satan's Guide to the Bible say? The video presents an argument from Dr. Ronald Hendel, who is a professor at UC Berkeley. Side point, the video keeps saying, what do biblical scholars say? But they really only present the info from this one guy on the topic. Um, so it really should be amended to, what does Dr. Hendel think? <laughs> just a side point, just letting you know. Just a little, you know, maybe put like an asterisk or, you know, whatever. Don't want you to lose all your views. I do, but <laughs> that's mean. That's mean. So his argument is that, and I quote, there's no archaeological evidence that would support an idea of a, of a historical, you can tell the guy is a writer and not a speaker, because it should be an historical, in, in, you know, verbally. It flows better than a historical, or, yeah, you know what I mean. There's no archaeological evidence that would support an idea of a historical, <laughs> large-scale exodus from Egypt. In early Israelite settlements, there is no Egyptian influence on their pottery forms, on the architecture, on the material culture, the daily lives, etc. He goes on to say that they continually lived in Canaan. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. And disclaimer, just so everybody knows, uh, history and archaeology is a bit out of my element. That's not something that I spend all of my time looking into. Um, I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not a historian. I'm barely a theologian. <laughs> I'm a guy who likes to read the Bible. That's what it is. Um, but I wanted to at least see, um, you know, what I was able to find with a bit of my own research on this. And that disclaimer is really helpful because uh, if I'm wrong, you guys have to be nice to me. <laughs> and please be nice. <laughs> Whether you agree or disagree. If you agree with me, how? why would you be mean? <laughs> Interesting questions. Um, so my goal in this is to see if there's any archaeological evidence, because this guy said there's zero, zero percent archaeological evidence. I would like to see if there is any evidence to support the idea of Israel living in Egypt, because according to this guy, it's non-existent. <laughs> so if we're able to find anything that even points to it, that's called evidence, um, then, sorry, breast buster, you gotta work on your statements. <laughs> 
So let's begin our journey with what the Bible says. So I think a big question, this is where I really want to focus on this idea, is how did the Israelites even get to Egypt? How did they get to live in Egypt, um, according to the Bible? And we'll go on from this. Um, yeah, the video also mentions, as we saw in this, that the Exodus never happened, but that topic is for another day, like I said. Um, for our sake, we're just going to be looking at the starting point. So, what does the Bible say? Um, so, let's give an overview, because it came through the man. Our journey begins here with Joseph, a very familiar name. <laughs> I talked about him in the last episode, and here we are talking about a little micro scale. Macro? Uh, more specific. <laughs> So, Joseph was um, his father's favorite. He was gifted a multicolored robe. Um, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, sent to prison on false charges, interprets Pharaoh's dreams, rises to governor of Egypt, um, saves Egypt and his family from a huge famine, seven-year famine, settles in the land of Goshen, the land of Ramses, dies in Egypt, but makes the sons of Israel swear an oath to carry his bones to the promised land. I think that's the basics. <laughs> really bullet point form. So... Joseph who? Um, there, so in this, there, there is that question of, was Joseph a real person? Some people will say no. Some people will say Moses wasn't even a real person. Another topic, another time. Calm yourself, Paul. <laughs> so is there any evidence to support Joseph? Because, um, I mean, being the governor of Egypt is a pretty big role. It's a pretty big place to go. And so is there any evidence that would suggest that he was in that role or ever existed? Any evidence that points to him? And the short answer to that is maybe. <laughs> you hate that, don't you? But at least it's maybe. This guy, I'm pointing to nobody. Dr. Hendel says, uh, no, there's zero evidence. So, well, let me just burst that bubble real quick right now. There is some evidence. <laughs> Is it foolproof? No, but that's why it's called evidence. If it's foolproof, we wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, but yet here we are. So <clears throat> there are a lot of theories based on a lot of archaeological findings <laughs> about just kind of that time in Egypt in general. Um, so there is an argument, and a lot of people say no. This is a horrible argument. But I don't know, for me, there's a lot to point to this, and that's why I'm bringing this up. Um, so there is an argument that Joseph was the first Hyksos, H-Y-K-S-O-S. I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these right. There's going to be a lot of Hebrew, uh, Egyptian, those kinds of names in here. I'm probably saying all of them wrong. Just letting you know. A couple Greek ones here, too. Ruler Salitis, Salitis. Let's go with Salitis. That salad, that sounds nice. <laughs> Written by Minito. Meneto, Menetho, Met, let's go with Menito. That's kind of fun. That's fun to say. Um, and he was an ancient Egyptian historian and priest who lived in the third century BC. So unfortunately, a lot of his original writings are lost. We do no, no longer have them. And we're primarily, we primarily know about them through uh, later historians, such as Josephus, an ancient Jewish historian. Um, so already... And let me just say this up front. I'll probably say this again later. This is kind of the truth for ancient history, and especially when it comes to Egyptians and stuff. This guy, it's like we're we're learning about some of these uh, Egyptian life, Egyptian people, 
And we're learning about that from a guy who wrote about people who wrote about that. But from a guy who wrote about a guy who wrote about stuff. You know what I mean? It's a little confusing. It's a little convoluted. Nothing, let me just say it up front, nothing is certain. For us to say, oh, there's nothing of this, we don't know. Nothing is certain. Because we don't have anything certain. <laughs> that's just how it works. Um, or that's how it is working right now. Um, so, there is decent evidence, in my opinion, that could point to the Hyksos being the Israelites. So let me give a couple of those. So the Hyksos were the shepherd kings. That That's kind of one of the meanings from that. Who were foreigners that, according to Minito, invaded Egypt from Canaan and ruled the land of Goshen, or Averis, Averis, which is the city that Ramses' city was built on top of. So Goshen is what the Bible calls it, how it's known there biblically. Um, Averis, Averis is how um, they would have called it, what they would have called it. And it's built, and it was built and then, you know, taken out. And then Ramses' city was built on top of that. Um, kind of interesting. So they were eventually deposed around the beginning of the 18th dynasty and driven out of Egypt around 1550 BC. The rulers or officials of the Hyksos have incredible parallels to the biblical characters that we know as well. For example, and also note, we don't know much about these rulers, the Hyksos rulers, their order or actual position. There's just a lot of uncertainty there. Um, and this is where I'm going to really mess up some names here. Um, Yakub Har is the exact transliteration of the Semitic name Jacob. Hmm, we know Jacob. That's a little familiar. <laughs> Saki Har, which means reward, is a close parallel to Jacob's son Issachar, which means there is a reward. I think we're two for two so far. That's, that's pretty coincidental, in my opinion. But don't worry, it gets crazier. Uh, one of the other rulers, Benon, is another ruler recorded by Minito. And this would have been known to us as the guy called Benjamin, Joseph's only full brother. Um, you know, the youngest of Jacob's 12 sons. We see him at the end when they're doing the whole trade thing. And, he's, and Joseph frames his brothers. Um, you know, just shenanigans amongst, amongst siblings. <laughs> That's what happens when you have 12 boys. <laughs> um, so that sounds like a stretch, right? You're like, Benoan, Benjamin, uh, maybe, but no. Okay, let's read a little bit closer, shall we? It's not as much of a stretch as that we actually think. And the reason for this is uh, Genesis 35, 18. It reveals that Benjamin actually has two names. Huh? <laughs> So Benjamin, that's what his father called him, but his mother called him Benoni. Oh, ding, 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 ding. But wait, you're like, but Joseph, uh, hello. <laughs> the first rule you said was Salitis, Salitis. <laughs> um, and that's how, that's how it was recorded by Minitus. So like, oof, we're done. We sunk. The ship sailed. It hasn't sailed. It sunk. <laughs> well, not exactly. So here's something that's very interesting. So the word that is translated governor in Genesis 42.6 is salit. Huh? That's very fascinating. 
Um, so on top of that, Salitis was also recorded to have collected corn from all areas of Egypt, and that is what Joseph did to prepare for the seven years of famine. Um, now, this is, again, this isn't an open and shut case, because there are aspects that don't seem to line up with what we think about other things and how we're how we're framing like the timeline of things. With the Hyksos, it's like the based on the, when we're placing them in history, doesn't seem compatible with how we're placing the story in the Bible. Um, so it's there's some debate inside of that. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But those are so many parallels to me. It's like I don't think we can just ignore this and be like, well, the timeline doesn't work. Maybe our timeline's wrong. You know what I mean? Um, so there is an Egyptologist. He's not just some, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be making fun of this guy, but he's not just some professor. He's <laughs> the guy who studies Egypt. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Dr. Hendel. Um, I'm not trying to uh, be mean, but I'm trying to be a little mean because you were being mean to the Bible. And you already said that there's there's no archaeological evidence, but there already is some evidence that points. And I've got more, don't you worry, that I've found. This is this is me with like three days of Google searching and a lot of reading. A lot of reading. <laughs> I read a lot for these things. In case you think I just watch YouTube, I actually do read. <laughs> a lot of stuff that I'm too dumb to actually understand. <laughs> and I poke fun at myself. So Egyptologists... Dr. David Roll um, talks about a tomb in a palace that is potentially linked to Joseph. So at the end of the 12th dynasty in Egypt, around 1850 BC till 1800 BC, there's always a range because we don't know for sure. And even then, do we really know for sure? Um, there was a Canaanite style house that appeared on the eastern delta of the Nile. This is, guess what, in the land of Goshen, which is around 200 miles from Canaan. So eventually, this house is demolished, and an Egyptian palace is built in its place. However, archaeologists have determined that the occupant of that was not an Egyptian of that palace. The palace has courtyards, a robing room, audience chambers, the whole nine yards. So this is clearly someone that was important. And uh, Dr. David Roll in, um, states that typically a place like this was given in recognition for what someone had done for the state, in this case, Egypt, what he had done for Egypt. And on the palace portico, um, there are 12 pillars. Also, in the palace gardens, there are 12 graves. Um, how many sons did Jacob have again? We just said it. 12. Oh, that's interesting. That one, it's like, okay, so far, a little coincidental. That's fair. So, um, one of these graves, though, stands out from the rest um, because it's pyramid-shaped, something that was reserved only for royalty at the time. And that alone, let me just say, um, this just hit me now. I'm just like, man, you think about that. So so Jacob had 12 sons, and one of them stood out from the rest because um, he was, well, he was his favorite, but he had a coat of many colors. <laughs> and here we see 12 graves, and one of them stands out because it's different than the rest. It gets a fancier... Um, burial, a pyramid, already it's like, man, that's fascinating. That's an interest. that's a really cool tie-in. Um, so inside the tomb's chapel, it gets crazy, don't you worry. Inside the tomb's chapel is a giant statue of a man with red hair and yellow skin, which is how the Egyptians would depict northerners, including Syrians. 
that's in like the land of Canaan. Canaan's part of that, you know, that land in the, the Levant. The Levant, I think that's what it is. Um, and he was holding a throw stick across his chest, identifying him as a government official. Joseph was who? Governor. That's a government official. <laughs> also, on the statue's shoulder, there's faded remains of red, blue, and gold paint that form a multicolored robe. He was the coat of how many colors? Many colors. <laughs> multicolored robes. <laughs> That's just fascinating. Um, so when the tomb was excavated, there was no evidence. This gets wild. Absolutely bonkers. When the tomb was excava excavated, there was no evidence of bones found anywhere. Now, that's not something of interest for a grave robber. Um, even Frankenstein, he's like, I don't want the bones. <laughs> Frankenstein was the doctor. Just making sure I was right. So another Egyptologist, Charles Ayling, said, I got two Egyptologists, not just one, don't you worry, said it would be hard to suggest this tomb was made for anyone else. He added, and I quote, it would not be unusual for a tomb to have a statue, but it's unusual to have one this large, twice the size of a normal human being. This tells us that it was a very important person. Of course, this is not a pharaoh's tomb or palace, but the man who lived there, you can identify his nationality by looking at the fragments of the statue. Three things, the hairstyle he has, which we often call the mushroom hairstyle, the weapon he carries over his shoulder, a throw stick, a throwing stick, and the coloration of the skin, it's yellow. All those things indicate that this would have been uh, a serial Palestinian. Either it is Joseph, or it's somebody who has a career remarkably similar to him. It's an incredible find, end quote. Um, so, you might be like, so what if it's a colorful robe? There's a lot of other things in there that's just like, I, 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 the reason I bring that up is because I saw someone say that. They're like, so what? Uh, uh, colorful robes were everywhere. It's like, were they at the time? Um, also, there's a lot of other things that are like, holy cow, you cannot just dismiss this. But okay, so what if it is a colorful, colorful robe? Colorful, colorful, colorful. This is why these episodes end up being 30 minutes long. <laughs> colorful robe. I'm actually nailing, I'm going pretty quick. In ancient Egypt, linen was by far the most common textile. Plant dyes could be applied to clothing, but the clothing was usually left in its natural color, which was white. Colorful, texti colorful textiles don't really show up until the New Kingdom from about 1550 B.C. Um, in about 1550 B.C. And if we date Joseph around 1800 B.C., then this then his colorful colorful robe was pretty uncommon. That's amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, with all of this, here's the biggest issues that we, that we still run into is that um, it's certainty. There isn't any. <laughs> all of these things just point, and these are some pretty big fingers pointing with that evidence, that, dare I say, archaeological evidence... <laughs> that points pretty heavily to being Joseph. Pretty heavily. But again, there's, it's uncertain. Archaeology, and this is another thing, for me and against me, for Dr. Hendel and against Dr. Hendel, um, archaeology cannot tell 
the whole story by itself. Um, this was from an, another archaeologist that I, I was reading. So this is like, you know, archaeology can't tell the story without writings by itself. It's really just they can tell you like, oh, look, they had a tool. <laughs> but they can't tell you much without anything definite. And writing is more definite. Um, there's lack of papyri. Papyrus, plural, is what that is. Um, from that period, um, due to constant flooding in the eastern delta. So that area was known for a lot of flooding. It was a very muddy and kind of murky area. And so we don't have a lot of evidence about anything that happened there, really. Um, which is, that's part of the reason why even like the Hyksos, we don't really know very much about them. Because there's nothing really there. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, and the other thing about it, too, is with Egyptian history, it's pretty... Um, like uh uncertain <laughs> you can't really trust it you know there's um i don't think i ended up writing it here but i i remember i, I was reading and it's that they um they left out a lot of their own history <laughs> to make themselves look better um that's not uncommon a lot of places do that we do that too <laughs> americans we we edit history for sure everyone does um, to an extent. And the Egyptians were no different. And you'd be like, well, that's a cop-out. It's like, yeah, they're not going to write about these things, um, these massive failures, or at least in this perspective. Um, and you can't just say, oh, it's a cop-out, because we see it. It's been seen. There was a time where there was an Ethiopian invasion that happened and almost wiped out Egypt. And how much of it do you see in Egyptian history? Zero percent. You see no evidence inside of Egyptian history that talks about this, even though we see it in other texts. Um, they don't even hint at it even happening. It, you know, to them, there's like, we're the greatest ever, and no one has ever touched us. And it's like, well, there's some other things that might show differently. <laughs> so it's not just a cop-out. It is reality. And even um, to add a little bit more credence, or at least... Um, to the to the, the idea of the Hyksos is Manito is is writing these things from perspective of an Egyptian since he's an Egyptian historian he's writing based on what they think we see that even um, in a lot of other pagan writings they're written from the perspective of those people N we're not going to see a biblical perspective from a pagan writer <laughs> so what's the point it's just my point in all of this is to say that it's disingenuous to say that there is no evidence. No evidence. <laughs> That's just, dare I say and go this far to say, it's a flat-out lie. It's not true. There's no conclusive evidence. Yes, that is true. There is no conclusive evidence. But that can also be said for much, if not all, of ancient history. So with this, what, I, what I'm going to end with in this is that we need to be vigilant. Um, I'm shocked at what I've seen and read and what the video presents. Maybe there's something that I've missed, and if that's true, I'd love to hear what you think. Because at the end of the day, this is what I find, and I don't know everything. I read as, as comprehensively as I could, and I put this together, but my point in all of this and what my intent was is to say that let's be careful of just the, the face level what we see and who these people are. Um... Let's be realistic. Let's let's be um, let's be honest as much as we possibly can. And um, I don't like this disingenuous stuff. I don't like these people just being like, "There's no evidence." But like, uh, but there is. <laughs> let's look at both sides of the fence here. You might not like the evidence. You might not think it's good, but it's there's evidence. 
so we have to recognize that. So with that, I would love to hear what you guys think um, about all of this, what your thoughts are, if you know something that I don't know or something I missed, or you're like, mm, nope, I'd love to hear it. Let's continue this conversation. Um, you can follow me and reach out to me, comment, like, whatever you want to do. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram, tipsy underscore theology, or you can send me an email if you're so inclined. You can write as much as you want. I'll read it all. Uh, the uh, theology podcast at gmail.com. The links for both of those will be in the description, as well as a link if you'd like to support the show. If, um, if you want this and you want to, you want like, yeah, I want to help you out to, to grow um, on patreon.com, and the link for that will be in the description as well. And uh, I hope you enjoyed, and I hope, I can't see the time from over here, but I hope I kept this one to around 20 minutes. And I will talk to you hopefully sooner rather than later.